right, everybody. How is your Sunday evening of DragonCon going? Woo! No, one, no one's too uh, tired and beat down just quite yet? <laughs> I'm good. Um, thank you all for coming out to our um, awesome new fiction panel with E.K. Johnston, uh, author of the Ahsoka novel. Delilah Dawson, author of the recently released Phasma novel, as well as the short story, The Perfect Weapon. And then Claudia Gray, author of Lost Stars, Bloodline, and Leia, Princess of Alderaan. So for this panel, I kind of want it to just be um, a Q&A from all of y'all. Um, so we have a mic set up in the middle, so you guys can go ahead and start up uh, lining up and ask your questions for all of these wonderful ladies up here about Star Wars, um, books, everything. Uh, we do ask that you try and keep plot spoilers from Phasma and the new Leia book to an absolute minimum, aka zero, because not everyone has had time to read them yet, so just be uh, wary of that. She will throw cups at you, like she can reach you right there. <laughs> yeah, you're not that far away. Um, so while people are kind of getting lined up, I thought maybe we could go down the line and, you know, obviously you are, you three are all big Star Wars fans and maybe you could talk about, you know, kind of what it's, what, what was it like finding out that you were going to be writing a Star Wars book? Um, very far away. Um, so I, um, have an agent who I love very dearly, but, um, has this wonderful tendency of burying the lead on phone calls. So he called and spent like 10 minutes talking about the problem he was having with his email filter system. Um, and then at the end of that, he was like, oh, and by the way, they want you to write a book about a character named A-H-S-O. At which point I started to make a really high-pitched screeching noise. And that was kind of like the rest of the conversation for the next few minutes. And when I stopped, he was like, so that's a yes. And I was like, yes, drop that, yes. Um, so, so uh, for the perfect weapon, I, I was in I was in the car with my family, and I lived in rural North Georgia. And I get an email from my agent that pops up, and all I can see is like the subject, how your phone shows the subject, and it says, "I am about to blow your mind right now." <laughs> and so I'm like, "Okay, well, it's like I'm down for it." And so I pull up my phone, and we go down into a holler, and I lose signal. <laughs> and I'm like, "Drive faster." <laughs> And so yeah, we come up out of the holler, and I see that, and I just started like screeching. I mean, it's the noises you make when you find out about this. You've never made this noise before, and and if they've recorded it, like it's 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 like screeching yells. Um, rather than tell the the moment of getting the email story, I thought I'd tell the longer version of how I wound up doing this. Uh, it was the year. 1994. <laughs> Clinton was in the White House trying to just came. We were all walking around really fast, see the town. It was that long ago, and I had a 2400 baud modem in a magical place called Alt TV Exiles Created. And I was in law school at the time. And let me tell you, if you ask yourself the question, should I study civil procedure or should I read fanfic about Mulder and Scully? <laughs> The answer is frequently the latter. <laughs> and it was the really early days of the internet, like everybody was being really nice to each other and we would actually talk about the topic on hand. It was, it, I mean, I try to tell teenagers that now and they just look at me like, I can't be real. But there was a brief window when it was sort of that way and I got to know some people, um, some of whom you know, I continue to know for years and a few of which I know even today. And um, one person, I, I wrote fanfic and it, my first fanfic, that fanfic, it was bad, y'all. It was really bad. Um, but there was somebody who was a really great editor of my fic. She was a great beta reader, and we always stayed in touch and hung out. And uh, we happened to figure out that we had other fan issues, like Star Wars. And, you know, time goes on. I did somehow get through law school. Uh, I go on and I'm doing other things with my life. She sort of ends up moving into publishing and she winds up moving into editing. But I'm not a writer yet. Then I eventually become a writer, but we haven't worked together at any point. Uh, she goes to work for Disney. Disney buys Star Wars. And then, sure enough, She's in the meeting room where they're like, we want a young adult Star Wars. Does anybody know a young adult writer <laughs> who likes Star Wars? And she's like. <laughs> so the answer to basically the moral of the story is butts around more on the internet. <laughs> it will help you much more than law school in the long run. Um, 
need to start with a particularly heavy question, but um, on Friday night, I was introduced to a quote by Zoe Saldana, the actress, that talked about how women, roles in space movies for women often offer actresses a lot of freedom compared to the kind of roles they might get in non-space movies, for lack of a better term. And I thought that was really interesting, and I wanted to ask you guys if you felt like writing women in space was different than writing women in other kinds of settings that you've, you've written them in. Even though you have the parameters of Star Wars to be within, if you felt that that was true. I mean, for me, no, just because if, if I'm getting to write, you know, when, you, when you're the writer, it's like, no, all the women get to do interesting things now because I get to say what I want to say. Uh, I mean, that is sort of the joy of being the writer is you do have that kind of control that not everybody on a television show or a movie does have. And, you know, and I think you're seeing more and more people in Hollywood beginning to catch up, but the upper brass still have these weird ideas in their heads that people aren't ready for, you know, um, you know, leads of, of color when you go back and you look, you know, like how much money did Get Out make this year? How much money did Girls Trip make? Uh, you know, I mean, of course people are, are into that. Um, you know, uh, they aren't ready for female action heroes. And then Wonder Woman was like, you know, all summer long, like all over your Transformers movie. Um, you know, I mean, what, what people, like what everybody knows often is just not even a fact. But, you know, with books, you can do whatever you want. And I think, too, you, br you bring a lot of your own cultural baggage along with you, even when you're writing um, in space. <laughs> and sometimes, like, I'm, I'm Canadian, and sometimes when I write a book, I have an American editor who's like, what in the world is this? And I'm like, oh, right, you're American. Like, <laughs> for a while there, the plot of Breaking Bad made zero sense. Like, none. And then I was like, oh, right. It's, it's in America. And so I think sometimes you bring a lot, you bring a lot of your culture with you even even if you don't mean to. And that can be both a good thing and a bad thing. One of the fun in Star Wars is that, I mean, especially now from what I hear um, from my editors, is that it's just understood that women in Star Wars are equal to men, like in, in Phasma. Like there's no part where they're like, wow, a woman could do this? It's just understood she can do that because I left behind that cultural baggage of, oh my gosh, a woman stormtrooper? And you're like, yeah, that's not hard. Um, so it was it was super fun to, you know, like, have that not be an issue. Or, you know, if there are stormtroopers and, you know, on, they're not all, they're not all dudes anymore. They're not all clones. Like, there's girls in there, um, which is really nice. And... A lot of my book takes place on a planet, and you get to the point where you're like, well, technically, if you're on that planet, like, you're not in space because you're planet and you're planet and you're on your planet. Um, but it's fun to think about, like, women's issues and what it's like to be on these on these barren places. I mean, it's like the Wild West, except without the women being enslaved and taken there as, as laundresses. I'm delighted that that's not an issue for any of you. <laughs> Read 18 chapters in two hours. <laughs> so, kind of a big fan. Um, and I, I've loved it. I've like such a page turn. But on page 102, no. Um, the Anakin way. No, 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 no. This is literally nothing. No, no, I know where you're going. No, you're right. I don't know what you're talking about. You're reading something into the text. It's not there. <laughs> sand is rough and irritating. <laughs> you know about sand? That's really surprising to me that those words in that order would be a problem. <laughs> well, no, I really wanted Phasma to be, like, I talked about this on Twitter. I wanted Phasma to be, I wanted to have both worlds. Where I wanted it to be a book where the classic Star Wars fan who's read all the legends and misses the legends would read it and be like, this feels like a good old-fashioned Star Wars Legends adventure about like stuff happening, but I also wanted new people who have seen maybe The Force Awakens and have never read a book to be able to pick it up and have it be accessible and understandable without, you know, a lot of words that you know, I want to be like, oh, because you remember what the Corellian wine was like back on, you know, I didn't want to do that where it tells people like this book <laughs> isn't for you if you haven't read the 300 you know, books of the old canon. So I wanted to have it both ways. But sometimes things slip in, and you only catch it if you have memorized every other movie, and then you're like, 
And I, I didn't actually hear the question, but I'm gonna guess at an answer. And when I wrote Ahsoka, I had to delete so many Star Wars references that had just like slipped into my everyday parlance. Like I typed that's not how the force works about fifteen times. <laughs> and then erased it because I was like, they can't say that. Because it hasn't been said yet. And so there's like I joke a lot that it's my only book without Star Wars references. Like I think it just yeah. slips in all the time. But but did you hate that? Like no, no, you? I love you. <laughs> all right, I think we're okay. okay <laughs> Okay, because I've seen Nicole Hill trailer like, yo, can you please, please stop doing that? I'm like, Especially like thinking of that character saying that, I literally died. All right, all right, I think it's time we move on to the next question. Hi, everybody. Um, I'll keep the preamble to a minimum. I, I, Ahsoka and Phasma are at the top of my list. I haven't got to them yet. Love Lost Stars, love Bloodline. Uh, um, and so these questions might be a little more Claudia specific, but I'd be interested in knowing your answers to, to, to across the board. Uh, so, um, by way of just explaining, I'm a political scientist and I use Star Wars to teach people about politics because you would guess uh, normal politics are kind of divisive, but Star Wars everybody loves. Um, and so I assigned uh, Bloodline to my class this semester because there's a lot of legislative procedure in that, in that book. And so one question I have is how much uh, uh, of sort of when you guys deal with political procedure, how much of that you bring to the table or how much is like the story group sort of telling you guys like yeah this is how like the new republic works or something along those lines um with bloodline pretty much everything they gave me was political and it was less you know i mean i had to work in these elements with the other two books that i've done they gave me like a three-line prompt that's it but they gave me about a page and a half on leia because they really wanted to set up the the populace versus the centrists and have that portrayed, you know, and I read this thing, and my first thought was, she's got to blow some stuff up, <laughs> except I did not think stuff, but, um, <laughs> you know, because, uh, I mean, I loved the old EU, I owned and own many of those books, but one thing that often left me unsatisfied was it was like, Luke and Han have adventures, and Leia's behind a desk, and she's about to take a meeting. You know, and that is not the Leia I saw in episodes four through six. You know, she gets in there, you know, she gets her hands dirty. Uh, she's a person of action. And so I was like, okay, I have to come up with something that will you know, enliven this a little bit. And uh, trying to use the political stuff. I think the political stuff is more interesting when you're able to give it a very human dimension. Like when you know personally what's at stake for Leia or for Ransom Castropo in a certain debate or question because, I mean, even if you don't care about the political bit of it, you care about that character's stake in it. So that was what I tried to do. But in that one, yeah, I had I had to cover a few uh, political boxes. Yeah, so Phasma, um, and it, this isn't spoiling it, it's, it's in the blurbs, but it, part of it takes place, you know, one period of time, then part of it is, is in some backstory and it's all connected. But it's one of the first times that you kind of walk around a first order ship without it just being Kylo having a temper tantrum. <laughs> but actually seeing a couple of things that happens there and then what the daily life is. So we, we didn't want it to be like a super political book because there's so much about the first order that is yet to be revealed. I don't know either. So that wasn't like me being like, wink, that was me being like, ah. But um, there's a little bit of politics in it and that, that Cardinal, the dude on the back, um, is in the First Order, and you know, there's always these questions with Star Wars of, you know, like the guys that were just building the toilets on the Death Star, maybe weren't necessarily bad dudes, they just wanted health insurance for their kids to get braces. Um, or depending on which, which planet you grow up on, you know, it depends on what symbol was on the jackets of the people that killed your parents as to who you grow up hating or loving. So there's there's some thoughts about the um, ideology of, of what would make you take one side or the other, but it's not like, it's, it's not, it's not bloodline political, but it's like, yeah, I got a song in my heart political. <laughs> Um, and then Ahsoka, of course, has this sort of early, early days of the Empire and everything is kind of being crushed under the boot. So nobody's thinking about who's building the toilets because they're too busy trying to, like, have indoor plumbing. Um, <laughs> and, and that was really interesting to write. And a lot of the times when Ahsoka is trying not to just charge in, she doesn't think about Anakin and she doesn't think about Obi-Wan. She thinks about Padme and is therefore able to make level-headed decisions. Um, occasionally, sometimes bad news decisions aren't that level-headed either. <laughs> um, but so that was sort of an interesting sort of fallout from the politics that she knows, because she's not really a politician either, um, but she's talked to a lot of them. Oh, hi. 
I actually love, uh, I just started reading Bloodline, and I love the way you write politics. I remember back in the olden days of <laughs> uh, the, the LAU, is that what it's called now? Legends. Uh, Legends. 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 Yeah. Yes. Um, and I, I don't even remember what book it is. It's just this long, boring conversation between Leia and Mon Mothma about how she should use the force in politics that literally lasts like 10 pages. <laughs> um, uh, but anyway, my question is, um, I love that uh, you're able to explore all of these female characters that I've really grown to love in these books. Are there any any other characters that you would just love to write books for? Um, yeah. no, that's it. My standard answer is Sabine Wren. I would love to write a book about her. Um, they know where to find me. <laughs> yeah, that's. I think there's some of us that would get into like a Thunderdome battle. For writing. <laughs> um, I, I still, I wrote The Perfect Weapon about Basine Natal, and I really love her, and I love writing it, and I would love to write more because like it's just a lady James Bond in space, and it's got that kind of legendy feel where like she doesn't have to be tied into all this stuff. She can be off messing things up and blowing things up and having crazy adventures. But you know, I also am really intrigued by um, Admiral Haldo. But you know more about that. <laughs> um, the, probably the very top of my list. There are so many. There are so many I would love to do, but I would really love to write a novel with Qui Gon Jinn. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, like maybe just off the top of my head, like when Qui Gon and Obi Wan were back on Mandalore with Jan Sati. Not that I'm getting, you know, feeding anything specific into the universe or anything. We've been, we've been, I want that book so bad, we've agreed not to Thunderdome over it. Right? <laughs> I um, want it to exist. And another character I'm really interested in writing about that I really think has kind of never gotten his due in Star Wars is Lando Calrissian. Um, I mean, he's in the original trilogy is very black and white, and he's the only one who gets into a real moral quandary because betray the people that it's your job to take care of as Baron Administrator or betray your friends, like, that is not a bright line decision. You know, at first it looks like a very personal betrayal on Lando's part, but the more you get into it, the more you realize he's really, really stuck. He's going to have to hurt somebody that he cares about. And as soon as he realizes Darth Vader isn't really going to protect his people, like, he's on the intercom, like, Darth Vader sucks. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Darth Vader's, like, across the room going, I can hear you. <laughs> some nerve, you know, uh, and I think he's a really interesting character, and again, I think he's always, except for those few, like, Lando books that they put out uh, way back when, that, you know, I think he gets sidelined a whole lot, I think it would be fun to delve into him more. And I think we really need Donald Glover on the cover. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, I think we should meet with Donald Glover. There's a lot of things to talk about. Yeah. <laughs> the less split version is when you're writing these really emotional things in uh, in Bloodline, like the whole Mirror Bright stuff and uh, things that tie to that. And the last line is like, uh, is that, do you write it going, or is it more of like you're there crying with us too? Uh, in all honesty, I mean, I make faces and stuff, but in all honesty, it's neither to tell you the truth. It's just, you know, honestly, the last line of Leia Princess Valderon was one of the first things I knew about that book. Like, that was one of the first things. I was like, that has to be where that goes. You know, that's the only place it can lead. Um, and also, and some of you will have heard me say this before, but even though the book was plotted before Carrie Fisher's death, I wrote the majority of it after. And it made me very aware that we have, you know, with The Last Jedi, we will have seen the vast majority of Leia's story. And because of that, we now know, like, her fight never ends. And it really did flavor the book because my original thought for it was like, oh, this could be more of sort of a lighthearted adventure. But then I was like, you know, in some ways it isn't. You know, this is somebody, she's never going to put her own needs first. She's always going to be in there fighting. Um, so yeah, it's, it's not me doing this to just like mess with you, uh, but it, it just felt like the necessary place for it to go. Um, hi, this, my question is for Claudia. Um, I really enjoyed Bloodlines very much and 
one of my favorite characters was Ransom Casterbo. And I loved that we, he starts out, you know, as a person we think, you know, doesn't have good intentions, but we learn that everybody sees their own point of view from their own side. And his close, I really loved his close relationship with Leia as that progressed. And it, I noticed certain parallels to another favorite character of mine. And I was wondering how much of Ransom Casterbo was an analog for Ben Solo. Uh, it's interesting that you ask that because um, when I had that page and a half outline, you know, Ben Solo's not and he's not going to be in the book, and Luke Skywalker's not going to be in the book. And originally, story group was like, Han Solo is not going to be in the book. And he's like, Yes, he is. <laughs> uh, he will be. And, um, and it made me very aware. I mean, on the one hand, you want to write these female characters not defined by the men around them. You like, you want to do that. You want her to have this independent adventure. But just on a human level, it does not make sense that, you know, a mother without her child is going to miss that child. You know, a wife without her husband is going to miss her husband. A sister without her brother is going to miss her brother. Uh, so there were elements in Ransom's characterization I put something in really from all of the men in her life, you know, um, Ben, that sort of the younger side, the maybe looking a little bit toward, too much toward the darkness, but she also has these really thoughtful philosophical conversations with him, which is a little more Luke, you know, and he's an adventurer who sometimes gets the hell on her nerves like a certain someone. Uh, and in fact, that's even how he got his first name. The only name they gave him was Castrofo. And this is not a meaningful parallel. It was just something I could to amuse myself, but I was like, you know, I can't bounce anything off bail, can I? And then I was like, bail, ransom. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, my question is directed to Claudia. Uh, I, I love Bloodline, and what I really loved was how psychological you became with Leia, where she wasn't perfect, she was kind of highly critical, she was very zealous, like there was something like, in terms of like, I saw that she was Vader's daughter, mm -hmm. you know, um, she could be very extreme. Um, and, and at the same time, and then also she, I noticed that there was like almost like a PTSD traumatized thing to her where she, she can't let go of the war. And then we were talking about um, not being able to have, you know, Han had to be in it. And so I'm very interested in the Skywalker solo family dynamics where, you know, it's it's interesting, like, Leia retired, she's going to retire, but they don't even think about seeing Ben and things like that, mm -hmm. and they seem to have all these, like, surrogate children, you know, and so how much freedom did you get in terms of setting up those family dynamics? Uh, in terms of Ben Solo, almost none. Okay. You know, um, I really had to work even to get a few references to him as a little kid uh, in there that I got, um, and... I'm not really even privy to the reasons why for that. Uh, now, with Han, I dug in hard, and, you know, they say, pick your battles. It was like, he wouldn't be there. It's like, yes, he would. You know? If the things you want to have happen in the story actually happen, and they are not yet estranged, which they were not, you know, and he has any way of knowing about this, he would, by God, be there. Right. There's no way that he would not come to her at that point. You know, and, um, and also it sort of made me think about like okay what happened with Han and Leia like what is different in the lives and I sort of felt like what I went for was they had found a partnership a way to make their romantic partnership work that worked very well for them but it didn't involve a lot of compromise yeah. so that when they hit some you know, the horrible horrible tragedy that Ben's turning had to be that maybe they kind of lacked the tools to save that match because you know, they hadn't been doing maybe as much compromising and negotiating as the normal married couple does. That was what I went for. I can't swear to you that there will not be other canon that contradicts that at some point, but that was what I was shooting for. Thank you. Uh, I went to buy the Ahsoka book, and the person checking me out said, oh, is uh, is this a gift? And I said, yes, today's my birthday. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was released on my birthday. And the guy said, but it's a children's book. And I said, yes, if your kid can read. <laughs> uh, it's a children's book, and you should check it out. And maybe also Harry.
And uh, so I was at the same Barnes and Noble a few weeks later, and the guy pulls me aside and said, uh, "You were right." <laughs> so that's that's one life. And admittedly, I haven't read Phasma, but uh, also my I have a 21 year old sister who broke up with a guy recently, and I was texting her about it, and I said what happened, and she said, "All you need to know." is that Leia wouldn't put up with it, <laughs> so I let him go. And I just, I want to thank you all for these really amazing, dynamic, uh, female inspirational characters that are not relegated to appendices, that are in their own novels, their own really expansive plot lines that we can really dig into, and uh, anyway, I could go on, but thank you all so much, thank really you. appreciate it. Thank you. And I also just want to have a shout out. I mean, the, the current publishers and editors, you know, we're not having to convince them of that. They are very aware of that and they prioritize that. And I think that that is a new and very welcome development. Well, uh, so uh, I can comment about all your work. <laughs> all great. Um, but I'll, I know that I'll uh, go on and on. So Except for I will say, I saw this my favorite character. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, Please uh, feel free to email any of us about how great we are at any time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Authors have very fragile egos. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, my question is, I'm, I'm really big into uh, like uh, I like when worlds connect. You know, you know, obviously the Star Wars universe is just big for that. You know, all these things come together. Um, I guess kind of from a writer's perspective, I'm wondering uh, when you're when you're writing a story, when you get the pitches, uh, is it how much uh, how much leeway do you guys have? Like how much backstory you're allowed to create? Um, is it is it, uh, is it is it difficult based on what they give you? Um, you know, is it is it, I, I guess I'm just wondering how much of it uh, do they predefine for you uh, or uh, be any of the work that you guys have? Um, so on my my first phone call, they were like, "Do you have any questions?" And I said, "Yes." <laughs> Where are Ahsoka's ears? <laughs> <laughs> And there was this long pause. <laughs> and then they were like, just put them somewhere reasonable. <laughs> so I did. Are um, they on her butt? No. That's not reasonable, Lila. I can't hear you. That's not reasonable. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't for that kind of shenanigans. Um, so yeah, it was basically, again, what Claudia said about picking your battles. Like, um, there was one character I really, 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 really wanted to put in the book, and they were like, oh, we don't know, and then at one point I got a note back that was like, this scene would make much more sense if she was actually talking to R2-D2, and I was like, so that's a yes, finally? Yeah. <laughs> um, so sometimes you just have to like figure out what you, what you, what you want to put in the book, but for the most part, um, for me, because I was writing in an era that's a little bit less um, current, um, I got to sort of play around a little bit with backstories and with the original character backstories, which was which was a lot of fun. I, I feel like from what I've heard, from what I've heard talking to other Star Wars authors, is that that every book is very different in the process and how you and your editors work, and also the period of time it takes place in, and how much of that has been unlocked. I mean, Star Wars right now is like a video game where you're having to wait for things to be unlocked, certain characters, certain objects, certain places. So like. There's places where you know you'd be like, are there any rules? They're like, well, not really, no boffins. But <laughs> you know, try it out and see what happens. And it'd be like, what about this? And they're like, no, no, no. But you have to guess. They won't just give you a list of things that are, you know, we don't know. So it's very much like a back and forth of like 20 questions. Like, well, what about this? What about that? But my outlines with them take so long to go back and forth because like I'll throw out ideas. I'll throw out like 10 story ideas, and I'll take like three things from them. Be like, if you combine these three things, I'm like, okay, well, here's an outline. And then they'll throw back 70% of that and be like, well, what if you did this? <laughs> so it's very, it's like a guessing game. It's like, you know, you're in the dark, you're touching an elephant, and you're like, uh, is it a horse? And you're like, it could be. So there's a certain amount of information they tell you. Like, yeah. They don't tell you too much, just enough for you to write your work. Well, also, Phasma's kind of um, different in that uh, it has, like, stories and a story. It's an interrogation story. So Phasma's backstory I had a lot of leeway on because I was like, you know, well, what do you want? What? And they were like, Mad Max meets Star Wars, go! <laughs> and like, there's a lot you can do with that, and they let me have a lot of leeway in that. So that part was like, that's it's been. <laughs> a general, the general rule of thumb is proximity to an upcoming movie. Like, 
the greater the proximity, the more, the tighter the control is going to get. Um, with Lost Stars, there was really very little because it was an original planet, it was original characters, and it was dealing with the events of the original trilogy, which, you know, are canon and everybody knows them and that's fine. Um, you know, with Bloodline, The Force Awakens was not out, and I made life worse for myself, saying, you can't tell me any spoilers, I don't absolutely have to know, and they're like, okay. <laughs> you, know, uh, you know, I could have saved myself some trouble, but by God, except for that storyline, I went into that movie unspoiled, and I'm so glad I did it. But yeah, the, the, the closer you get to a movie that's coming out, the, the tighter the control's going to get. Well, and, and I know that one of the things about writing in a shared universe, uh, especially with multiple authors, is that you don't always get the chance to kind of continue the stories of some of your original characters. And all three of you have some fantastic original characters that you've populated these books with. Are there any whose stories you hope to see um, continued someday at some point? All, all of them. I am now. I mean, I very much hope that eventually we're gonna have a Lost Stars too. Um, I desperately want to get Ransom Castropo out of trouble. I don't know whether I'll be able to, but you know, I, I would love to be able to do that. And no spoilers, but yes. <laughs> um, I got um, so I get about half of my fan mail from Tumblr. Um, which is both the best and worst place in the universe. And almost all of the stuff I get for Ahsoka is, thank you for not killing off the queer black girl. And I'm always like, you deserve so much better than that for your baseline. So hopefully, um, yes, I hope I do get to write more of Caden because that would be fantastic. Hey, um, so I've loved pretty much all the new canon books that have come out, and I've, but I've noticed most of them are kind of like a, a shorter time frame. Whereas like Lost Stars and maybe um, uh, Twilight Company a little bit are the only ones that were like really epic and like just a single book. Like they, they feel like their own saga just within a single book. And so, how did you get or make the opportunity to do that? And did you able to see more of it on Lost Stars? Uh, I was lucky because I mean the 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 three line premise they gave me. Uh, and again, apologies to those of you who may have heard this previously in the con, but. They were like, uh, we want childhood friends who form this bond and it stays tight, even though the idealistic girl joins the the rebellion and the angry guy joins the empire. I was like, okay, no, no. The, the idealistic girl joins the empire and the angry guy joins the rebellion. They're like, okay. so, uh, But that meant I get to start really early in their lives. And they wanted the events of the original trilogy, like they wanted... It to, they wanted to show, like, what does it look like if you're not the big hero and you're not the main villain and you're not firing the final shot? You know, you don't come up with a plan. Like, what do you think is going on? What do you hear? How much do you know? I mean, honestly, the line in the book I'm the proudest of is when somebody's like, you know, yes, General Solo is going to lead the strike team and, and things like, who is that? Like, oh, yeah, you joined Red Ryan Hoth. You didn't know him, would you? He's like, no. And they're like, well, General Calrissian's going to do that. And he's like, who's that? <laughs> you know, he's like, okay, fine. They're going to turn this whole thing over to a bunch of people I've never heard of. Okay, whatever. I'm just going to get in my X-Wing and hope not to die. But, um, you know, so I got those years to play with. And, you know, the epic I got was the original trilogy, just a different way of looking at it. And then happily, originally, um, I had the big final scene was something that took place in space, like not very long after Endor at all. And then they came back and they're like, so if you could move that a few months forward, we actually have this thing called Jakku. And we could actually tie this into it because it's already so close. Like you only have to change sort of the name and a couple of things. And I'm like, oh yeah. You know, so, um, you know, and I wrote that and I changed it, but like literally when it came in, I think it was the second trailer came out. You know, is that the second trailer? The one where also you can hear the music and it pans across, and then you see that Star Destroyer. And for me to like hear that music and do this and like see the ship that I just finished writing crashing, like I'm not gonna have a better finish. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah. So, uh, haven't we something all? that you brought up. Uh, I've noticed that since the the, the reboot, the canon reboot, um, almost all books have included either a small or semi-large reference to LGBTQ characters, and I'm, uh, I think that's great. I think it's wonderful that it is making Star Wars even more inclusive. So it's not just our female characters that are getting 
presented, but um, our career characters as well. Is that something that is being asked of you from higher up, or is that something that you're all coming up with on your own and wanting to bring forward? And I guess that's my question. Uh, so with with Caden, I was um, a little nervous to be honest because it was like my first Star Wars book, and I really wanted them to like me. And so I wrote like all of the traditional subtext, like waggling eyebrows and like weird like room shenanigans were like just based on blocking and like all of the things that you used to like read behind the lines and then they were like could you make a text and i was like oh can i <laughs> so um that was that was really encouraging and it was about the time that um aftermath had come out and i had a moment where i was like okay i'm gonna do it anyway <laughs> um but it was definitely something that i don't regret at all and one of the things that, um, again, I spend a lot of time on Tumblr, and every time a post comes past and it's like Leia and Padme and Jin and um, Ray, and I'm like, wow, we really need some woman of color in this movie. <laughs> um, because we have, we're, we're moving forward, but we have a massive galaxy and it deserves everyone. Yeah. Um... You know, my references, at least up until Leia, Princess of Alderaan, actually really kind of in Leia, Princess of Alderaan as well, but have been more oblique. But that was partly because, like, just as you said, there aren't any gender prejudices to get over. I didn't want homophobia to even be a thing. It would be like, oh, did you know that this, it, like, it would, it's just there. It's just part of people's love lives. It's just part of the fabric of what's going on. Uh, and while nobody ever instructed me to do that, certainly nobody ever, you know, they, they totally support that. I thought there might be some pushback from the character that's coded as queer in Princess of Alderaan, and I think you know why, if you've read it. You know, if you haven't, you need to read it. I really, and when you, when you read it, you'll know why I thought there might be pushback, but there was not. Now, whether or not they have other plans for that, I don't know, but... Um, I, I'm sorry, I'm being so cryptic now, but it's only Thank been you. three days. Thank but, you for being cryptic. You know, I, I tossed that out there and nobody said no, so we'll just leave it there for now. Because, because it's so hard to not say things that you're saying and not saying. Um, I just wanted to see what I could get away with, with some non-traditional things, and they were totally on board, but because of the world, because it's not set out to be like, oh, strange how one can be in power, or I'm going to beat you up for being different, like that you can... They have things be a natural, interesting part of the society without having to be like, isn't that not the way that things are the default? You can just be like, oh, that's just, that makes sense. I mean, like, it's Star Wars. You know, your next-door neighbors are hovering walrus people. <laughs> <laughs> you're not going to be freaked out. people of the same gender together. I don't think that you are. You know? um, Please put hovering walrus people in your next Yeah. <laughs> They're really, if you look hard enough, they're in all the books. Are they? Yeah. Um, they're in my heart. That's yeah. Right. And also, there's a reference, the there's a brief reference in Lost Stars to somebody changing genders, but it wasn't a thing because it's so natural there. You know, it wouldn't be a plot point for somebody. It would be like, you know, I have to tell you my secret. I have braces to straighten my teeth. And it'd be like, that's, that's great. That's great. Don't go away. You know, uh, you know. So that's one of the one of the challenges. You want to take away the prejudice and the nasty stuff and have that just be part of the galaxy. But it also makes it a little harder to believably like be like, yes, 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 one hundred percent. See, look, because they're not using the same words or terms. I guess. Yeah. So we talked about the kind of uh, characters that you would like to be able to maybe write one day, which. <laughs> um, but I was wondering, you know, one of the cool things about the Clone Wars is you get that opportunity. George kind of opens up the galaxy in the sense of what kind of genres fit into Star Wars, and really any genre fits into Star Wars if you do it right. So I'm wondering, what genre would you like to write? So you've done love story, action adventure, Mad Max. What is it for you that would be really cool? You think to be able to add to the Star Wars galaxy? I, I love that, like, there's action adventure, and then there's <laughs> Oh, yes, it is. I'm not going to start talking about that movie right now. Um, um, one, of the, one of the early reviews for Sofia was like, it's a really great Western, and I was like, thank God, that's what I was aiming for. Um, I don't know what I would 
I mean, I want Claudia to write a rom-com slash political thriller about um, Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon and Satine on Mandalore. Um, I, think, I, think a lot more, I think a lot more often about like, other people, what books I want other people in Star Wars to write, because I want to read them. I missed the question because I was drawing the floating wall. <laughs> <laughs> what was the question? I will treasure, I will treasure this forever. I have that. <laughs> I mean, know, is it a good question? If, if you, could, if you could write a certain genre in Star Wars, what would you like to write? Well, I mean, I, I just want Fazine to be the, the James Bond of Star Wars. Like, that was my pitch, that was their pitch yeah. to me for that. And, like, I, we need, we need, like, that kind of, like, action spy person out yeah. doing this stuff. Plus, now I'm imagining, like, the John, the John Williams-esque version of that soundtrack, and it's fantastic. I want to see her, like, shooting her cuffs on the end of, like, a chopped-off freighter. <laughs> Um, I don't know about a romantic comedy specifically, but I think it might actually be fun to do something that was a little more lighthearted and, and funny, because comedy is a huge part of the movies, and I think it might be fun to do something, I don't know whether that's some predicament that Han and Lando get themselves into, or what, but I think it might be fun to do something that was a little bit more um, on the comic side. I, I want to write a comic about porgs. Like, you know, we used to have the Ewok TV show, and then we had the Ewok comic, and like they were goofy as heck. Um, but I think that the porgs have, like, I mean, I got, I got, like, you know, like there's Morgul and Pity Pop and, and Oofle, and they have different colors, and they have pork adventures, and then none of them get eaten. And their neighbors are hungry walruses. <laughs> <laughs> but walruses eat penguins. Porgs. It's like the, it's like, yeah, it's like the walruses eat penguins, penguins, and the porks look like penguins, they think it's dark. No, 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 you never know. You never know. <laughs> I'm really hoping you know they're gonna have Star Wars land, Disneyland, and I'm like within that, please let there be like Borg. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the earlier question about rewriting some of your characters or things to revisit them made me think of how in Legends there are well characters from Legends are now appearing on Prince of Rebels, like after Thrawn. So I wonder what you thought or what are your thoughts on new characters. Um, if it resulted in an action figure, I would probably just die right on the spot. Like, um, I guess when you, it was it was a different experience creating a character knowing that you were going to have to give them away immediately. Um, but I think emotionally, at least, I have done that. And if like any of my characters ever showed up, like on a show or in a comic or whatever. Um, that would be fantastic, and I would be all for it, especially if that resulted in an action figure I could buy. I feel like with Star Wars, there's this understanding from the very beginning that this is not your baby. It was never your baby. You barely get to babysit for a while, and even then the baby stays in the cage where you're just like, hey, baby, you cool? <laughs> so anything that I made up, I didn't have that, like, this is very precious to me. I had the, like, you know, this is cool, make it cool or whatever, that's great. Um, but, you know, Cardinal, I got to create kind of from the ground up, and he's a dude on the back of the book. And with Star Wars, like, so with regular publishers, sometimes they'll be like, what do you think about for the cover? What do you think would be, you know, Star Wars, it just shows up one day, and they're like, here it is. And you don't, like, the only answer is awesome. And so they showed, like, I saw the back cover, I had no idea who's going to bond there, and suddenly it was like, it's a real thing. Like, you made it a thing that wasn't a thing before, and now it's a thing. And, like, I would love to see a Cardinal action figure, and, and I. You also have to trust that we have these editors that, that help us, and you come to trust them and know that they care about your vision, and they're as invested as you are, and they don't want to see, you know, them fall into a sarlacc pit and do, like, a Gungan slip on a banana. Like, they don't want that. Um, yeah, I mean, basically that, I, I would love to see them show up in other ways. Uh, you know, Cyana uh, has a, a game card in one of the games. Sane has another uh, there's a, a, a manga of Lost Stars. I don't know how many of you have seen that. That was pretty fun. Um, I want to think that I would be that philosophical no matter what. I do think there's an odd chance if I discovered, like, oh, by the way, we killed off Castropo in this other book that, like, I want to think I'd be like, yeah, that's just the way it goes, but there's a slight chance that the inner period, so it could, could be like <laughs> I, I think he's kind of yours to kill at this point. Please let them believe this too. <laughs> well, but you know, there's also there's this desperation of love for these minor characters, like Vizine Natal. My very first question I was ever asked on a Star Wars panel ever 
like I'm up there with like Zons, Sapphel, Anderson, and everybody's like, yeah, this question is for Mr. Zons, Mr. Zons, and, and they're like, this question is for Lila Dawson. I'm like, he asked me, he's like, what does it feel like to not have an action figure for your character? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, it feels awesome. I wrote canon. <laughs> website selling a Bazinatal figure, I could probably just get my, my credit card number and go crazy. Like, I feel some place in Britain is doing a Bazinatal shirt, and I'm like, are you real? I don't know, 40, 40, what's a pound? Take my pound. <laughs> maybe it'll show up in six weeks, maybe it won't, I don't know. <laughs> I've got a two more that I've been into what you were talking about. First of all, um, I believe Dave Filoni confirmed that uh, Ahsoka lives. Now it's a test. <laughs> in season four of Rebels. So... When do we get Ahsoka to? And is it pre-Rebels or post-Rebels? Um, so they don't tell me anything like that. Like, they didn't tell me what was happening in Season 2 of Rebels when I was trying to write a book that took place using character development from Season 2 of Rebels. So, like, um, I would basically, like, finish an outline, send it in, and then, as a reward, watch this week's episode of Rebels. And then be like, hey, Jen, just watch Rebels. Already changing the outline, don't worry. Um... <laughs> So yeah, they don't tell me anything, and um, in a way, I'm almost kind of glad because it is a shared universe, and if the book were to exist, it would almost be like, it wouldn't be YA anymore because she'd be older, so someone else would probably write it, and that would be fantastic because then I would get to read it, and I wouldn't know anything about it either, so it's been sort of, I think that's one of my favorite aspects of the shared universe is that at a certain point, you're like, it can still surprise me even though... I now get paid to live my dreams. That sort of dovetails into part two of the questions. Because Rebels and the Lesser Extent Clone Wars is pulling uh, material from Legends back into canon, which one of you is running the <laughs> this is the part where the microchips in the back of our necks like all activate and the Lucasfilm lawyers that we talked about earlier were like yeah I will say there was a brief period of time where there was one thing I was thinking about pitching I was like I wonder if they'd let me use Thrawn I wonder if they'd let me use Thrawn and it turns on was like I am still alive <laughs> so the day that the uh, the last Jedi Annie Leibovitz photos came out you know, like, you're, we're there, but I'm on, like, and I sent an email, and I'm like, the yak guy on Canto Bite is mine. <laughs> <laughs> and they were like, <laughs> So, like, there's moments where, the, the, I mean, they we don't even know what they have coming up, but, like, we have desires. <laughs> okay, if, if there was a Legends character you could bring back into the new canon, do you have a, a favored one? <laughs> <laughs> This is the part where I have to admit that I've only read one Legends book, <laughs> and it was Kenobi, <laughs> which I love. And um, actually, no, that's not true. I read Razor's Edge, which I also really liked. Um, which at the time, like, I remember starting to read it and being like, "It'll be great," and then being like, "I just signed up to read an entire novel of Han Leia UST," <laughs> and it was great. Um, but no, I guess can I bring the whole of Kenobi? Does yes. that count? Okay, yeah, I would, I would make a Kenobi canon. Uh, I know she wasn't actually a really popular character overall, so I don't know if this is like a controversial thing to say, but uh, I thought the character of Callista was very, very interesting, and both in sort of the promise and the potential peril of that character, uh, and uh, the idea of sort of this person who's existing totally in the force who then comes back to a fully physical existence. I mean, that's that's a really cool concept, and so that would probably be my pick. I want to bring back the planet and kill Chewbacca so I can kill it. <laughs> well, that, that probably kind of dovetails a little bit into my <laughs> we got a thing going here. Um, so, I'm, you know, as fans here, we obviously make, make these connections with our characters. That probably don't even compare to what you guys come up with, you know, kind of get into these characters' heads. Um, and then kind of the serious side here, which is kind of like, how did you, how did you, how did you guys deal with kind of the loss of your characters and those who have, you know, are losing the characters in the series? Uh, I can say me personally, since you just brought up Chewbacca, uh, <laughs> I was an Avid Legends reader and then Chewbacca died, and I don't think I picked up another show no! until the new canon, and then I was like, Chewie's alive again! Right? <laughs> Yeah, I was at a con where it was me and Timothy 
Vaughn and Alan Dean Foster, and they're like, what's the, what do you think you're glad that got changed with Legends? And Alan Dean Foster leaned forward and goes, I'm just glad that moon didn't hit Chewbacca. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know exactly how to answer because, um, you know, we're all sort of at the very beginning of all of this. I, I think you should come back like, in a few years when we're sufficiently traumatized, and, and we're going to be able to answer that a lot better then, probably. I guess in terms of, like, writing a character you already know is, like, in the current timeline no longer with us, um, every Bail Organa scene was just, like, amazing and terrifying and wonderful, and I cried. But, um, and... It was, it was, it wasn't something I was like. It was something I was hoping would make it across in the pages, and it did. And then when we also wrote one, and there's that scene, and you just feel the whole theater lean forward at the same time. And I was like, I really hope I captured that moment at least once in the book. Um, and I guess that's the closest I got with it. Does anybody else like when you watch The Force Awakens now at that moment? You're like, maybe it doesn't happen this time. <laughs> Every time. Every time. <laughs> I forgot it was a trilogy. Like, that scene is so good. I was like, excellent. We've all resolved our feelings. Oh, wait, it's a trilogy. <laughs> Thank you very much. Um, uh, just uh, not related to my question, but I actually only read half of the first Zon, uh, Thrawn trilogy book and couldn't get through it because it contradicted my beloved prequels too much. <laughs> so I understand the, the not being able to not read knowing anything about Legends. Um, but my question is, obviously writing a character like Ahsoka, whose entire backstory is the Jedi, and then Leia, who is, you know, the granddaughter of the Force, how did you, did you get, like, a direction on how, how the Force works? <laughs> <laughs> I want so badly to answer this by, like, levitating about <laughs> And the weird thing is, like, you would write something, and then the note would be like, literally, that's not how the force works. <laughs> and you'd be like, um, but <laughs> I actually wrote that back once. Um, and so I guess, like, the idea of it being um, the one thing that I was told to keep in mind is that it is primarily um, spiritual, not physical. And so anytime a character is using the force, it's not to be taken lightly. And those were basically the two things that I got. Yeah, I didn't get any of oh, this is this is how the force works. With Leia, there had to be a lot of balance about how much she's pulling on it and when and what that's going to mean. And if you've read Bloodline, you know that I floated a little bit of an idea and it's not, you know, Canon may come out and say something else tomorrow, you know, because it's just Floated the idea of maybe why she didn't go on to become a Jedi. Um, you know, and I was allowed to play with that a little bit. And of course, in Leia Prince of Alderaan, it was a bigger challenge because you wanted to show that at work in her, but she has to be completely unaware of it. And and so, you know, there were a couple moments where I was able to work it in, but it had to be very oblique. But yeah, nobody was like, here's how you do it. Here's how you become a force ghost. Which, you know, maybe after book five. Like, we're going to go get Tim's on. Oh, there like, us. level ups? Because that would be fantastic. Oh, yeah. Thank you. Star Wars has always been kind of a, a mode of self-criticism of American culture. Uh, like, starting with, like, you know, <laughs> No, I mean, you have the, the, Vietnam, the Vietnam War experience in the original trilogy. You have... Gulf War and absolutism, you know, in the prequel, prequel trilogy, and then, ironically enough, the rise of fascist sympathies today with the Force Awakens and the First Order. And I, I was wondering um, if you were going to pitch a story to Lucasfilm, what of the dark side would you want to bring out and reflect about your own culture? Um, 
after the great line, which I wrote with no sense it was ever going to have anything to do with current politics at all, you know, like, <laughs> who would believe that you know Nazis could get a big movement together? That's crazy. And, you know, of course, in, you know, in real politics, you wouldn't have this incredibly venerated politician underdone by a little bit of gossip a little late in the game, you know, and then it all happened, and so I'm like, I'm never doing that again. I don't. <laughs> it's dangerous. Canada's dark side on the spot. You're gonna have to. Go for it. Canada's dark side. Someone did not say thank The maple you. syrup wars. <laughs> 2016. Maple syrup theft is actually a thing in Canada. I'm not kidding. There's a national reserve. Google it. I'm not kidding. <laughs> I see. I I'm from the south, and 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 I. It's so hard because you know that Star Wars fans run a wide gamut of, of belief systems, and I don't ever want to alienate anybody, you know, except Nazis. Yeah, I'm fine with that. <laughs> That's okay. Let's alienate all of them right now. But um, I don't. I I feel like um, the editors are awesome at, at matching people with books that would be great for them, and I, I appreciate that. So far, I've just gotten to write like really fun zany adventures. Well, not zany, like the bloody, bloody zany adventures. Because I so admire what you do with politics, and I feel like my personal grasp on politics, I'm like, she's really smart. <laughs> Let's go kill stuff in the sand! <laughs> I've come up with Canada's dark side. So, sometimes, <laughs> sometimes you live next to a really big house, and that really big house controls everyone on the block, and you don't get to pick, like, when the grass gets mowed, or when the garbage pickup comes, or anything like that, but you live right next door. And so part of it is that you have to play nice, and part of it is that you have to make sure you don't play too nice. And I think in terms of like being staunch but also not overstepping is something that could go dark side pretty fast. Um, Claudia has written several characters that did that. And um, I think that that would be sort of um, my take on it, would be that sort of person who says, well, it's happening next door. There's nothing I can do about it. And Star Wars is about the people who live next door and are like, let's go do something about it. Uh, another thing, like, the world is so well constructed. I mean, George Lucas, master world builder, it's so constructed. You don't have to go reach for parallels. You know, they're there. They're there waiting for you to pick up on them. Uh, I feel like so many different things are already coded into that story that you, you can really just sort of delve in and you're going to find those parallels like with Bloodline whether you want to or not. Okay, I think we have time for two more quick questions. What's your favorite non-Star Wars author that you know, because you've read it, him or her so many times, sort of permeates what you write, what you wrote in Star Wars? Um, wait, uh, do you mean like influenced or as you guys are writing, it's like you know you're hearing that sort of voice, but you're putting it in your voice through that. Um, probably Tessa Grattan. Uh, she's a YA author who has an adult book coming out next year that's fantastic. Um, but she was one of my very early mentors, and um, I love her work and her take on picking things apart. Um, and that's probably my answer for that. I'm gonna cheat here because because my I think my greatest influence on my books is a Star Wars author, but it wasn't a Star Wars book that got me first. It's Matthew Woodring Stover and Heroes Die, which is the most beautifully well done violence. And so whenever I'm gonna gear up to write a violent book, I kind of reread some of these scenes just to like get in. It's like watching Fight Club, and you're like, yeah, yeah, this is how it goes. So I think if you just add his middle name back in, you can pretend that he's not a Star Wars author. Um, for me, it's probably not a single author, but um, you know, some of you have heard me talk about this earlier today. Uh, I am a, a Trekkie just as much as a Star Wars fan, and in the 1980s, I bought all of those incredibly cracked out tie-in novels, and like nobody was at the helm. Nobody. It's like, well, I want to make Spock a space private. Go, you know. And then, <laughs> There's one where everybody on this planet sings in Gilbert and Sullivan film. Like, literally, that's how they communicate. They're like, yes, publish it. Uh, it's awesome. It's so good. Um, and, I mean, it's some of those books, you know, I mean, like, The Spock is a Pirate, maybe not that plausible, really. But some of them were so wonderful and entertaining, and they all just had the conviction of the story. 
Like even the Gilbert and Sullivan one, like that writer believed that, and because they did that, they made it work somehow. And you know, and some of them were funny, and some of them were were incredibly tragic, and some of them were action oriented. And I think it just sort of really opened up my mind about like have fun with this. You know, any property has all these different sides to it. The mythology has all these different ways that you can play with it. There's no one right way. To, to continue the story, you know, uh, I mean, maybe Spock being a pirate is not exactly the right way, but uh, but I think it, it sort of opened me up to the idea that, you know, when I started writing tie-in stuff, it's like, you know, you actually have a lot of leeway here, not enough, you know, to, to have the Gilbert and Sullivan books a lot. With ports. With ports. Is it true that Phasma's armor is recovered from a Nubian starship? And if it is, what's the story there? Or do we need to just read the book? You're going to need to read the book. Okay. <laughs> it's, it's, it's in there. It's in there. Okay. Okay, I think uh, one last round of applause for our awesome author. <laughs>